Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you to bring you God's word and his encouragement and comfort uh, these couple days before Christmas. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it was a year ago yesterday, December 22nd, 2017, uh, very early in the morning, I got a text from uh, Spring Anklam. Many of you know Spring. Um, the text went something like this, said, Chad, sorry to bug you early in the morning, but John, think we, just, we think John just had a heart attack, her husband John, and we're headed to the hospital. The EMS was here. John's in the ambulance heading to North Austin Medical Center. I'm going with, or I'm traveling in the car. I'm heading there too. Can you please come? And I responded. I said, yes, absolutely. Um, I said, I'll be there as soon as I can. And I wrote a little prayer in the text. And on the way there, uh, I was thinking about, you know, scriptures to share with them and uh, prayers and just words to say in a difficult moment like that. I pulled into the parking lot at North Austin Medical Center and, the, and I got another text from Spring. And it was two words. It said, he's gone. I took a, a couple of deep breaths. I grabbed my Bible and I walked into the hospital and I, I walked into that emergency area. Uh, it was one of those areas where it's just, you're just kind of separated by curtains. And there was spring and the body of her dead husband, John. John wasn't someone that I had just served as a minister here at this church, but he had become a very dear friend to me. And that moment was one of the most difficult experiences I have ever had. What do you, what do you say in a moment like that? Where do, you, where do you get answers in a moment like that? And I know that many of you have lost a loved one, a, a spouse, a child, a parent, losing a loved one or facing our own impending death is one of the most difficult things we can ever experience. It takes suffering and fear to a, an entirely new level that we've never experienced before. It can make us question God and his promises for us. It can make us question even his existence. It can make us doubt our faith and possibly even walk away. The Hebrews, the original recipients of this letter that we're going to look at today, or we're going to look at part of it, were also going through some extremely difficult circumstances. They were facing suffering and fear like they had never felt before. They had been Jews, but they came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, 
And so they converted to Christianity, to the Christian faith. Now, they hadn't necessarily lost a loved one to death, but because of their newfound faith, much, many of their family and their church and their society kicked them out, ostracized them, shunned them. So in a very real sense, it was like they were losing loved ones. And so they were having some of those same questions about God, about their faith, questioning God's promises for them, and they were tempted to turn away from the faith. So the the author to the Hebrews, we don't know exactly who it is, by the way, but he wrote this letter to encourage them in the faith, to, to encourage them to keep going in the faith, to not turn away. And he tells them, and he's telling us today, that in the face of the most difficult of suffering, even in the face of death, that Jesus is the answer. And that Jesus becoming human is the answer. Let's look at our text for today. It comes from Hebrews chapter 2. It's verses 14 to 18. It's printed out for you in, the, in your worship folder. It's on the, the yellow uh, insert. I think we'll have it up on the screen for you as well. Now follow along as I read it to you. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, meaning Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews, the writer uh, talks about, he he tells us how Jesus was greater than the angels, and part of why he, he does that is because many people at that time thought Jesus was maybe just another angel. But he says, no, he's far superior to that. In fact, he's even God the Son of God. In chapter 2, he goes into describing how Jesus had become, even though he was God, he had also become fully human and why the reasons for him becoming fully human. But in these verses, if you caught it, specifically in verse 17, he introduces an idea. He, he He uses a term for Jesus that for his original recipients, would have caught them a little off guard. They probably had never heard this term used for Jesus before. And even and for us, it's also maybe a little odd. He calls him our high priest. So what does that, what does that mean, that Jesus is our high priest? Well, um, again, that was familiar language for his original readers. For us, we need to, we need to talk about it a little bit, look at the history of the high priesthood. So, to do that, we, it, we have to go back about 1,400 years from the time of Jesus. That's when God instituted the, the person in the office called the high priest. Now, uh, it was at the time of Moses, 
And God instituted this office and this person so that they, his people, would have someone that would serve them and, and work for them in the temple, in, the, in their center of worship, in the Jewish center of worship. He would serve them, or serve God on behalf of the people. He would offer prayers up on behalf of the people. He would offer up sacrifices on behalf of the people. He was like a mediator between God and the people. And one of the biggest things that he did happened on one day out of the year, and it was called the Day of Atonement. And on that day, the high priest would enter into the temple, and he would also go into a room in the temple called the Most Holy Place. Now, this place was very special. It was a place where God said he would dwell, and because of that, and because we're sinners, and his people were sinners, they couldn't go into that place. No one was allowed to go into that place, except on that one day of the year, the Day of Atonement. And on that day, the high priest would take the blood of an animal sacrifice, and he would go in the most holy place, and he would sprinkle it on what was called the mercy seat. And in doing that, he was making atonement for the sins of the people. He was making payment for their crimes, for their sins. He was, uh, and literally it meant he was covering their sins. And he was bringing unity. He was bringing at-one-ment, that's where we get the word at one, or atonement from. He was bringing that unity and that fellowship with God. So as you can imagine, the high priest was very important for the Old Testament people. And they loved the high priest because of what he meant to them and to their relationship with God. He represented the forgiveness and the grace that God showed them and the unity and the fellowship that they enjoyed because of the work and the person of the high priest. So again, we ask, why would the writer say that Jesus is our high priest? Well, it's because that all those high priests of the 1,400 years of history, they all actually were just a shadow. They were pointing ahead to Jesus, our true high priest. His person and the work of the high priest all was just a shadow of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And all of the sacrifices that that high priest would offer for the sins of the people were just all pointing ahead to the sacrifice, the one-time sacrifice that Jesus would make for all people. Because, you see, all of those sacrifices on that Day of Atonement, they didn't truly make atonement for the sins of the people. They couldn't. Why? Because they were animals. (laughs) That wouldn't satisfy, that doesn't satisfy God's holy justice, which demands that humans die, that a blood of a human must be shed to atone for the sins of the people. And so that's why Jesus became human. That's why, as the writer says, he shared in our humanity. He became like us in every way because out of an amazing act of incredible love and incredible mercy, he left eternity and left, uh, he stepped into time and became a human and offered the one-time ultimate 
sacrifice for all of our sins. He died in our place. In a sense, and this sounds kind of wild, but in a sense, God died on the cross as a human to pay for our sins, to pay for your sins, to die in your place so that you can live with him forever. As you think about how the the Old Testament people loved the high priest because of what he meant for them, well, our love for Jesus because of what he means for us as our true high priest, it's incredible because of his incredible love for us. I said earlier uh, that death is one of the hardest things that we can face. It's been said that um, death, again, brings us to a place like we can, we can never, it haunts the human spirit like, like nothing else. And on top of that, the devil loves to use death as a weapon. The devil loves to with death, remind us that we deserve to die because of our sins. He loves to hold it over our heads. That's what the writer means when he says that the devil holds the power of death. He uses against us like a weapon. So any time that there's death around us or we're facing death, he says, see, I gotcha. You deserve to die because of your sins. Jesus died in our place. Jesus used the very thing, death, that the devil uses as a weapon that he uses to bully us with and to enslave us with. Jesus used that very thing to defeat him, (laughs) to conquer him. He took the weapon out of his hands. So we don't have to fear it anymore. You might think that losing a loved one at Christmas time ruins Christmas. And it ruins every Christmas after that. That losing a loved one at any time ruins Christmas. And ruins every Christmas. But the big thing about Christmas is not just that a baby was born, but that that baby grew up with a mission to die. Christmas, the big thing about Christmas is death, the death of Christ in our place. So that death is conquered and we don't have to fear death anymore. Christmas is the medicine for losing a loved one. Jesus is the answer. Jesus becoming human is the answer. There's a story about a pastor who lost his wife and he's driving in the car with his kids to the funeral and he's actually going to preach the sermon. And they they come up over a little hill and there's an intersection in front of them and there's a, a big truck, huge truck, 
waiting at the intersection. And the way the sun is shining, it's casting a huge shadow off on the field to the right. It's, and uh, the, the pastor is looking at it, and he says to the kids, he says, hey, do you see that truck and that shadow up ahead? He said, if you were going to be run over by something, would you rather be run over by the truck or by the shadow? And his youngest child in the back says, says well, Dad, that's an easy one. I'd rather be run over by the shadow because the shadow can't really hurt you. And the pastor, the dad, says, that's right. He says, death is like that truck. But it's only the shadow that touches a Christian. He says, that truck ran over our Lord Jesus. Only the shadow ran over mother. Death is just a shadow. That's, that's one of the most comforting messages of the Bible. That Jesus conquered death for us and that we don't have to fear death anymore. But because we're human, we will still struggle and will suffer with death and will struggle with temptation when we're faced with death and, and any other suffering for that matter. We'll struggle with temptations. We'll struggle with turning away from God and his promises and even turning away from the faith. Because the Hebrews were human, they did too. They struggled with temptation. And Jesus, because he is fully human, he struggled with it as well. And because of that, he is able to help us. And that's what the writer was saying in the last verse. Look at that verse again. It says, because he, Jesus himself, suffered when he was, temp when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Have you ever thought about how Jesus struggled and suffered under temptation? I think it's, it's one of our common thoughts as we think, well, yeah, but he was God. <laughs> so it couldn't have been, it wasn't that hard for him. Well, that's not true. <laughs> yes, he was God, but he was fully human. He was like you and I in every way. And this verse proves that he suffered mightily with temptation. Just look no further than the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> the night before Jesus died on the cross, the night before he suffered, it says that Jesus sweat drops of blood. He was suffering so heavily with temptation. So yes, Jesus was tempted and he suffered under his temptations just like you and I do. And that in itself is a comfort, right? When we know that we're not alone in our suffering, when we know that there's others who are struggling the same way we, we, that we are, that alone gives us comfort and encouragement. But again, another thought we have is we say, but no one knows what I'm going through. No one understands the pain and the suffering at the level that I do. And that's true except for one person. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He perfectly understands what you're going through. And he loves you. 
He cares about you and he's there for you. Perhaps a more encouraging thing is not just knowing that Jesus suffered under temptation just like we do, but, is, but also is knowing that he overcame those temptations, that he conquered those temptations, every single one of them. He endured temptations but never sinned. And it's an incredible encouragement to know that that's the power, the spirit of Christ that overcame temptations that lives and acts inside of us so that we can endure, so that we can overcome temptations too, and we can get through suffering. So when you feel like you just can't go on, that you just can't get through this and that you're going to fall, know that you have Jesus right beside you and inside of you with his power to get you through, no matter what you're suffering, whether it's suffering through a bad relationship, a bad marriage, a, a difficult job, a difficult class, a chronic illness, or you're facing your own death or the death of a loved one, know that Jesus is there. Jesus became human. And he knows. He understands. And he gives you power to overcome. There's another story um, about a, a father and his two little boys, and uh, they loved to uh, do things together and play together. And when they would play football in the yard, um, his boys, when they were real little, they always would grab him by the arm and they'd pull him down to the ground until he was on his knees. And, and some of you dads know what that's like. I know what that's like too. And they would put their hand on his shoulder, the boys would put their hand on their dad's shoulder and they'd say, see dad, same, 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 same. They loved it when he got down on their level. It made it more fair for them. Or when they were working on the house or working around the yard and, and they would get a scrape on their arm or a cut on their arm and they'd look over and they'd see dad had a scrape and a cut too. And they'd go, hey dad, see They'd point at their scrape, same, 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 same. They loved it when he got into their world with them. You get the picture? Jesus, through the incarnation, by becoming human, got down on our level. <laughs> he got into our world. He knows what it's like to be tired and discouraged. He knows what it's like to be hurt, to bleed, he knows what it's like to suffer and to be tempted. So when you think, when we might think, God, you just don't know the pain that I'm going through. Jesus says, yeah, I do. He points at your wounds and he points at his wounds and he says, see, same, same. I know, Jesus says, I know what you're going through. I faced it myself. I understand. And I love you, and I'm here to be with you and to help you through. So why did Jesus become human? He became human to be our truly faithful high priest, to serve God faithfully his whole life. 
He never faltered once in his duties for us in our place. He became human so that he could be our truly merciful high priest. In his incredible love and mercy for us, he, he gave his life. He made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He paid the penalty of death for us so that we don't have to fear death anymore. And he also became human to be our truly understanding high priest who experienced everything we do. He understands and he's there to lift us up when we fall and to, and to help us every step of the way. The, on that day about a year ago, um, it was truths like these that, that gave me hope and comfort in an extremely difficult situation. And it was these same truths, Jesus, about Jesus and him becoming human that gave spring hope and comfort and strength on that day. And she, when I talked to her this week, she said, yes, please share that with them because she wanted you to be encouraged by it. And because of Jesus, and because Jesus became human, you too can find hope and strength no matter what you're suffering with, even in the face of death. Amen.